Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to episode number 285 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is September 9th, 2013. We got a big show for you this week on the podcast. Obviously, USC's devastating loss, 10 to 7, to Washington State. Mike Leach and the Pirates up there. Big news. And we got a lot of questions about that, a lot of comments. A lot of criticisms, a lot of stuff to get to in this whole show. we got Dan Weber coming up a little bit later on. He's going to ask him some questions and get his thoughts. He was up there in the press box. We have Coach Harvey Hyde here in the first segment. Uh, like I said, we have a bunch of questions. And if you have more questions for us for the next week, drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or you can give us a call, 206-888-6755. Leave a voicemail there or go to peristylepodcast.com and leave a voicemail on the left side of the page. And want to welcome in Coach Harvey Hyde and give him a few of my thoughts to start because I know we're going to get a ton of his. But I don't know if you know this, Coach, but USC has seven offensive coaches and three defensive coaches. USC scored seven points, one for each offensive coach, and gave up only three points, one for every defensive coach. What do you think about that, Coach? Well, you know, it's not <laughs> what I think about it. It's... uh it's just not a very productive, uh, what you call, offensive performance, not only this week but last week too as far as the adjustments and play calling and formation tendencies. And I keep saying the same thing over and over and over, so I apologize to our listeners as far as series and once you establish the run like they did last week, why not play action pass out of it and hit your tight end or hit your tight end down the middle or do different things uh, pull back in the flat off the power action or stretch stretch action. I I keep asking myself these questions uh, because I feel as though you're not utilizing all your athletes. I keep talking about, uh, uh, you know, the different things that when you talk about you have a team and I think that you have great athletes and you're not making it easy for them to play on offense. Special team breakdowns, unbelievable. I mean, I you're supposed to have the number one special teams guru in the world and you pay him a lot of money you can't make a, a field goal i mean you miss one and then you have one blocked the first one i mean guy just comes right up the middle uh can't even uh, close down and block to the inside i mean please i mean you do this on the pop warner league yeah i mean uh you know elementary mistakes on a division one college football level is not acceptable uh, you know, and, and the crowd, when the crowd boos, they're not booing at the kids. I'm sure they're not doing that. Nobody would be that vicious. At least I would hope they wouldn't be. But I think they're booing basically on the play selection yes, or the non-changing of something that hasn't worked in the past, and they keep thinking, when is it going to change? And it's not a crowd that doesn't know college football or know football. The SC following are people who have followed football for a long period of time. It's the backbone of the USC family. 
What it is is what they gather around on campus, what donors look at. They want to wear their colors everywhere. They want to go to the country club and laugh at their friends who aren't winning. <laughs> right now, USC people are throwing their jerseys and their colors in the closet, on the floor. They're embarrassed. They're humiliated. And I think this takes a terrible effect upon the kids because the kids are confused. I look at them on the sideline. They're in shock. Uh, and sometimes I think Coach Kiffin looks in shock. What is the philosophy? Where is the confidence level? Where are the things that are necessary to say we are SC? And if you, if you remember the statement before USC used to go, we are SC. We intimidate you. We want to beat you until you cry. We don't want you to come back here ever again. We want you to go to your athletic director and cancel the series. <laughs> we don't want to play them again. Well, right now, people are looking forward to playing SC. So I'm not trying to be overboard in my criticism, but not being honest how the people feel, I think, would be misleading them. Yeah. The offensive uh, performance was a nightmare. I think that's the best way of explaining it. The kicking game with breakdowns like that you, is unacceptable. The punt returns, unacceptable. Not that the punts are being kicked deep for Marquise Lee to return them, but you can't even kick the ball in the end zone on a kickoff. And, you know, what is wrong? Why? Why can't you have a kicker like every other university basically in the country almost has a kicker that can kick the ball into the end zone where you don't even have to worry about runbacks? So, you know, all of these questions come into my mind, and I say, wow, thank God for the defense. What would the score be if they <laughs> – if they weren't playing defensive football like this, they make one mistake in the game. They have four sacks, three turnovers, fumble, you know, they had a fumble a recovery, two interceptions. They make a mistake on one hitch where the corner misses the tackle. The receiver runs 49 yards for first down. They hold them where they have to kick a field goal, and their field goal kicker kicks it through. And that they win the football game. When you think of USC with its skill athletes, with its third down conversion rate, I don't even want to mention it, <laughs> and you say the longest pass, 19 yards, I think, what was it, 54 yards, total yards, passing offense in the game? 54, yeah. 19 was against Hawaii. USC only had an eight-yard pass against Washington State. That was the longest. I... I <laughs> It's I don't crazy. know what to say. So yeah. I think I've sort of done. I think we better go to questions. Yeah, we'll I get think to. We'll be here all day on my assumptions of what what we should be doing. Yeah, no, I actually tweeted that out, Coach, and I wanted to mention uh, you can coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow Coach on Twitter now. You can follow me at Inside Troy. But I tweeted that too. That forty nine yard play. The only I'm like that's really the only mistake this defense made, and I said that's going to cost them the game. Like they made one mistake. And it ends up costing them the game. But uh, we'll, let's, so we're going to jump into – got a lot of offensive comments. I'm going to get to those first. We've got a bunch of voicemail questions. I'll get to those afterwards and a few other comments. So we're going to try to get to all these, Coach, and get your thoughts on these. But I wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. You can go to sctickets.com or call them at 1-800-888-7287, and they'll take care of any of your ticket needs. Another home game coming up against Boston College. You can check that out. You can go to sctickets.com, and they'll help you out, see if the Dodgers can turn it back around. I think they lost four in a row. Uh, go to those kind of games. Anything like that, you can go to sctickets.com, and they'll help you out. And Coach, so the offensive woes, it's not just about this game or the last game. 
I think the adjustments, and I'm going to, I'm going to read you this long list of, of comments. And I wanted to share this stat with you too. I tweeted this out uh, on Saturday. I don't know if you know, the last time USC offense scored in the third quarter, do you remember the last time that happened, Coach? No, I know they haven't this year. They haven't this year. Uh, they didn't in the bowl game. They didn't against Notre Dame. They didn't against UCLA. The last time they scored was November 10th against Arizona State in the third quarter. They, they got a touchdown on a George Uko fumble recovery. Against, I think it was against UCLA in the third quarter. But their offense has not scored in five straight games in the third quarter. So that's why... We're getting these kind of questions, I think. Not just how they played the 54 yards passing, but I think it's just been a theme of this. So I'm going to read these for you, Coach, and then kind of get your thoughts. And, uh, again, apologize for the length here, but I wanted to get everyone's comments in. There were so many we got. I wanted to try and paraphrase them and get them in here. But last year under Monty Kiffin, the defense looked tentative, dazed, and confused, afraid to make mistakes. Now it's our offense under Lane Kiffin, which is playing the same way, tentative and confused. That's Mike in Santa Barbara. And we have, I'm seeing redshirt freshman wins a Heisman, and these clowns can't even pass the ball down the field 10 yards. Is this the staff that just can't recruit, can't coach up the talent? That's Dario in Oklahoma. Alex is simple. He says, throw the ball down the field more. Uh, here's Jason. Dear Lane, please stop the ridiculous wide receiver screens. So some simple ones there. Uh, this is a South Korean. Well, this was an email from South Korea. He didn't leave his name, but he said, I'm sure you guys saw how much and important, the tight ends were incorporated in the first week of games in the NFL. Practically all the players who were putting up big numbers were tight ends. I just don't understand why Kiffin won't go to them. That's, again, from South Korea. This is, this is Charles saying, watching other teams with top offensive players on their team, why do we always have an excuse on why we don't perform? Lane Kiffin made the excuse that Washington showed eight players in, in coverage. Same thing happened here against Washington State. Uh, and then the last one is uh, Michael. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Alan Fresno. And this was actually a voicemail that was too long. I'm going to paraphrase. USC only ran four plays. And people in the stands could see that. And I know Washington State could as well. He wants someone to be up in the booth calling the plays and let Lane manage the sidelines. And then the last one, Coach, is Michael in Toronto. He had six questions. Why? Why do we not use the middle of the field? Why do we not use the tight ends? Why do we have a fullback that we do not use? Why is the offense playing so tight? Why does every single team know our plays, and why is he still our coach? So, whew, sorry about all that, but that's those are the kind of comments we're getting, and we've got even more than that. But I wanted to get your thoughts, Coach, on the offense and how it played. <laughs> well, I feel sorry for our listeners, because when you ask me that many questions, they might be with us all day, okay? It's <laughs> supposed but, to be a uh, general answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's best to ask them all at one time, because I sort of ramble on a lot anyway. But uh, first of all, the first part of the first question, or if I can remember back that far, was why uh, or does the team look confused? I think they're absolutely confused. I think the plays come in uh, too slow. I talked way about this in fall camp. Uh, guys aren't getting lined up. They're utilizing timeouts uh, because the clock's running out. They could have used that timeout at the end of the game, but they had, had to waste it. They wasted it earlier in the game too many delay of games, uh, uh, too much uh, lining up and quick short motions that don't make any difference at all. I mean, I don't know why you're doing that. And uh, I have always said, keep it simple, know what you're doing. You don't need to run a lot of plays, but definitely select what you want to do and accomplish on offense, whether it's the power series, the sweep series, the belly series, the option series, whatever series it is, 
take it to its limits. Make sure you have counters off of it, reverses off of it, passes off of it, play action passes off of it, and to develop it where if they do this, I do that. Well, this is one thing I don't see with the offense. I see it as a 31-flavor type of offense where, well, this play didn't work last time. Let's try it again this time. And that isn't what I think football is all about on the offensive side of the football. You remember, both teams have 11 people. So you have to utilize your 11 talented players against the defense's 11 talented players. And if you hinder yourself, if you – throw into the strengths of defenses or run into the strengths of defenses, then obviously you're defeating yourself. And no matter how good your players are, they cannot achieve. So you must say, all right, and I know that these coaches do this. They have to do this. They do this on any level. You scout yourself. You would go in and scout yourself or you have Coach Clancy Pentagrass scout you break it down and come in and say, what am I doing that people know what I'm doing? Why are they able to guess what play we're running? And have him tell you why. And don't be, you know, worried about what he might say about your offense. Right now the offense is so predictable, and you're running laterally on most of your pass plays. You're running your best receiver from sideline to sideline and rather up the field, and your passing game is so limited, so limited that – you don't do yourself any good. You're throwing, you're throwing the same play over and over, hitches, uh, bubble screens, motion swing passes. You try a deep pass, and you've got a double coverage, of course, on Lee and Aguilar. Why not? They're running a cover two with nobody forcing the, the corner to roll up where you can run comebacks. You can run curls on cover twos. You can run seam routes on cover twos. As long as you force the, the up corner to take the man in the flat. Now, if you're not putting anybody in the flat, then they can double-team your receiver. Now, what you do if they're, not, if they're ignoring it and you're not putting anybody out in the flat immediately, run play-action pass and put your fullback in the flat. Fake the power, the, the, uh, the play that Madden had so much success off of and throw it to him in the flat, the fullback. As the one uh, question was, why don't they utilize the fullback? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I don't believe the fullback has touched the football as far as a running play this year, or I can't remember when, how long ago it's been. (laughs) I'm not sure either. I'm not sure either, Coach. (laughs) No, any type of belly, any type of trap, any type of reverse dive. And, you know, you have great backs. If you were to put Allen at fullback or Madden at fullback and Davis at tailback, or run two backs in the offense at the same time, there's so many things you can do with, with counteractions as far as the passing of the football, uh, the intercepted pass when he jumped on that route. Why throw that route with 21 seconds to go? You're up 7 nothing. You've been struggling offensively. Your defense is playing its butt off. What is, what is that route going to give you? Nothing. Another five-yard game, so they jumped it. And when he jumped it, he threw a, the ball across the field, and uh, the kid picked it off and, and ran for a touchdown. And I said this yesterday morning, I give the effort of the game award to Nelson Aguilar. He chased that kid 100% down that field to try to catch him, and damn near did. He made a tremendous effort on that, so I take my, my hat off to Aguilar on that play. But if they're going to play that tight, 
then why not come out and run the hitch and go? Pump it. Let him jump it. As he jumps it, send the guy up the field and hit him right now, quick or deep, depending on what type of coverage they're in. And they came right back at the end of the game, and the last interception was the exact same route, except a different quarterback throwing it. So, you know, I don't. these are some of the things I don't understand. And also the tight end, uh, that was a question that, uh, as far as from someone that – Yeah, that, Gene, that, Gene, uh, we had a separate one, asked, too. Yeah, Gene wrote in that this is the worst coach offense I've ever seen. What is the use of having the two best tight ends in college football if you're not going to use them? <laughs> and, 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 I, and I agree. They caught one pass. Uh, who was it? Gribble caught one pass for eight yards, Yeah, and that was it. One pass for eight yards, and that was it. Total offense with the tight ends. Hey, when you're double covering them like they are Aguilar and them, flex your tight end and send him right down the seam. Now that safety back there has got to ignore or can't ignore your tight end going down the seam uh, of the of the field. Now, of course, if he's dropping back on him, then curl him up, curl and slide to the open area. I mean, there's so many things. Have hot routes to him that when they're stunning on you, just drop the ball up. He's six six. Just throw it up there, let him gather it in and run down the middle of the field or drag or cross or post corners or, or do different things to attack the middle of the field, which they're trying to take away the outside of the field. Why are they taking it away? Because that's where the 95% of the routes are thrown. And until you throw routes other places, they're not going to care on defense. And they didn't feel SC could beat them running the football on every single down like they did. Their main issue was the takeaway lead. Now, an Aguilar, but if you're running the football and you're having great success running the football like Madden did, this now sets up your play-action pass. I did not see one play-action pass except for the bootleg keep that Kessler ran into the end zone for a touchdown. And otherwise... You come out of there, you run the play-action pass, you set up, you hit drag routes, you hit corner routes, you hit post routes, because they have to honor the run that you're running. So, you know, I, I'm just going to touch on most of these questions. I'm trying to remember them all. As far as the offensive uh, play, uh, play calling or, or offensive coordinator situation, I felt this, and, I, and I'm going to say this in, in, the, in, the, in a positive way. I thought that the defense needed a change, and they did. And Pettigrass came in. He's done a tremendous job putting his players in a place where they can win and have fun. They got a lot of pride on defense. The people are so proud of the way the defense is playing, and so is the defensive team. Uh, Monty Kiffin, he didn't die. They didn't put him in a pine box. <laughs> he went down. He went down to Dallas. He's doing well there. They had six turnovers last night, Coach. Huh? They got they Monty Kiffin's defense forced six turnovers last night. The Hulk Dallas Cowboys forced sixteen all of last year. He did six in one night. Like that's what I'm that's what I'm saying, Ryan. I'm saying great for him. So if you have to make a change, there's a place for great coaches. Great coaches find a place where to coach. So make that change and give that authority to someone. And let him do it, and that's what Lane Kiffin has done. Now, on the offensive side of the football, he has been messing with that since the spring. Who's the, car, who's the quarterback going to be? Who's going to call the plays? Clay Helton's going to call the plays. No, I'm going to call the plays. Uh, 
it's been bouncing around like a rubber ball. There's no continuity. There's nothing there. No one knows anything. and uh, No one knows who's going to be the starting quarterback until supposedly today they're supposed to announce that. And, hell, we're into the third game of the year, and they evaluated this guy two and a half years, these players. And these players are playing under such pressure. You ever look at their faces, ladies and gentlemen? They're stressed out. The players are trying. They don't know what to do to do anything better. So I think you've got to relax them. One kid definitely is going to be very disappointed, and I feel bad for that. But you've got to look at the program and what's best for the program. Yeah. And also, I feel like he should gradually allow the play calling to go to the press box. He can send the plays in and become more of a general on the field with the offense and the defense. Someone needs to talk to the quarterbacks when they come off the field. No one is talking to the quarterbacks when they come off the field. Guy Helton's in the press box. I believe he is anyway. And no one is talking to them whether they do good things or bad things. They need to have someone put an arm around them and keep them relaxed and in control of the game, whether it's a touchdown or an interception. And you got to do that. And then the number one thing I think he should have done, as he did on defense, he should have brought in an offensive coordinator. Yes, it's nice for me to easy for me now to coach from the press box well, after the game. But this is something we've said from the beginning. These are decisions that he made that we questioned. And now that the offense is terrible, you have to look back and say, well, those decisions you made probably weren't the right ones. I mean, the reason we questioned them is because we felt that there was a lot of risk there. And it, and if it's not working out, then, I mean, I, it makes sense now. Right. And he should have brought in a coordinator, not told him to run my offense. Bring in someone that successfully has run an offense that you like to fit your personnel, as he did Pentagraph, and say it's yours. Fresh start. Get it done. And now uh, they're suffering through this, and everyone is second-guessing everyone. So I think (laughs) I'm sorry I did this. No, no. Uh, so long, but you gave me like 20 questions. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I wanted this to be kind of a general thing, and we do have even more specific ones, so I apologize if there's a little overlap. We don't have to spend a lot of time on each one, but I wanted these – people had a lot of thoughts in these voicemail questions, so I wanted to play some of them for you. So here's the first one for you, Coach. Hi, Ryan. This is uh, B from Mississippi. Just uh, had a question for Coach High. Uh, try not to be too pessimistic, but uh, – Given the loss and the seems like the offense is rudderless and the coach admits that he doesn't really know what he's going to do, um, what does Coach I think we need to do schematically to improve on offense? And the second question I had is, uh, if this doesn't improve and we continue to lose given our schedule, do you think a change will be made this season? Thanks a lot for your time. Love the show. Bye on. Well, thank you very much for calling in from Mississippi. I'll tell you. Glad to have all of our listeners, and uh, let me mention this, too, uh, and you mentioned it earlier, Ryan. Yeah, I am on Twitter now, at Coach Harvey Hyde. Yes. At Coach Harvey Hyde. You can check with me. I try to send things out, too, during the game on what I think is going right or wrong or what needs to be done, and uh, also during the week give you updates on my thoughts on certain things. Like today, I'll probably tweet something out and when they decide who the starting quarterback is and give you my thoughts. So, Please join me. That's at Coach Harvey Hyde. Now, let's answer the question, what do I think that needs to be done, first of all? Well, I think it, everything needs to be simplified on offense. 
I think that you've got to not take the athletic ability out of the players. When players are thinking, they can't play. When quarterbacks are confused in play calling, they can't get it all out. They can't go up and they can't remember what they even said. You've got to keep it simple. You've got to let an athlete play. You've got to develop a series. Whatever that series, series is going to be, two back set, one back set, whatever that's going to be, and you do it damn well. If you're going to run the eye, run the eye. If you're going to run a one back set, run the one back set. Move that one back back and forth, put him in the eye, put him in the pistol, put him in the strong set, weak side set, run the dive play where they can hit the plays really fast, run to the outside. If it's an option offense, run the option. I'm just saying decide what your offense is. Right now I have no idea what USC's offense is. I'd like to know what it is, and I'm sorry to say it this way in such a negative uh, way, but when I talk to other coaches who call me, ex-players are calling me and asking me, Coach, I got one from an All-American yesterday. And I said, what's going on? And he says, Coach, I'm asking you what's going on. I think maybe he should take out a film of maybe the 1979 and one of the great teams at USC and look at it and say, this is what we're going to do and try to do something that's all put together as a series. The blast, the power, the toss, play action pass. The blast, the tower, the pass, the little the blast option, whatever it is, where you don't need a quarterback really to run a lot, the reverse dive, the belly off the toss where you – Fake the toss, give the ball to the fullback because the linebackers are flying out of there and the fullback runs straight up the middle. You forget who the fullbacks have been at USC, you know. Sam Cunningham was a fullback. In fact, Marcus Allen's first year, he was a fullback. So, you know, you can get your talent on the field. And one question earlier was, what does the fullbacks do currently right now? I don't think they do anything. You're playing with nine people on the field. Uh or well, I'll tell you why I said nine later. I've said it before. So I think you have to develop a series. So if they take away the toss, the old power sweep, then there's got to be the belly. The linebackers are getting out of there too fast, or the sweep pass, or the fake twist, the fake uh, uh, toss. Your quarterback fakes the toss, steps up, throws the backside post because the set. Uh, Secondary's flying up, or there's, or anything. There's so many things. The reverse to the tight end off the toss. The toss screen, you fake the toss to the right, and you screen back to the X on the, on the weak side. But develop a series, and I just happen to talk about the I here. Isolate the backers. Run at the backers. Take bigger line splits. Get, make some seams for your backs to run through the seams and get some yardage inside. You, you've got to take advantage of your personnel and help your players be good. You can't force a play. And currently right now it looks to me as they are forcing the plays no matter what the defense is. And you cannot force a play when a play won't work from the beginning. You're running laterally instead of up the field. You're going to have negative yards before you have positive yards. You're depending on your great receivers and your great players to make yards on their own ability. And that's not going to happen. And that's why these backs are getting at linemen and, and everybody is so confused and frustrated on what they're doing. I think that's the best thing I would do. And as far as coaching changes, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with that. I'm not, uh, I don't like to talk about that, but that is the athletic director's responsibility. He's being paid a lot of money. 
and I think I mentioned it earlier, the USC family's backbone has been USC football. I mean, it starts the school year off. They tailgate on campus. They tailgate at the Coliseum. I don't know what it costs some of these people to be that bring their RVs in and the television setups. Why? They like doing this. And it's going to affect the spirit of Troy unless something is done. And I hate to say that that way, but it's that damn important. And I think that uh, uh, you've got to find a way to make this become a positive thing. Otherwise, the rest of the year is going to be something that's very, very miserable. Why? Every time you in, you lose, you encourage the next team that they can beat you. They might be favored over Boston College, but Boston College thinks right now in their mind they can beat USC. Utah State thinks right now they can beat USC. Every one of the teams that are going to play USC feel as though they can beat USC. So right now they've got themselves in a ditch, and uh, they've got to fight themselves out of it. All right, uh, let's go to the next voice. We've got a few more voices. Sorry it's so damn long. That's okay. We've got a few more, I think four more voicemail questions, so we'll try to get to them. Oh, Here, my gosh. I know. Here's the next one. <laughs> hey, this is Robin Yakai. I've called in a couple times, but not recently. Uh, abysmal performance, worse than I could ever imagine. I actually attended the Hawaii game. I went to the game, and I was saying to my wife, you know, I can't imagine it getting any worse than it is right now, and it actually did. Uh, question to you is, you know, a good coach, if obviously the players can't, perform in the system that Kiffin has given them. It's up to the coach to either get the players to fit a system. If that's not the case, then the system has to change to this talent level that you have on the team to at least pick up a nine-yard pass play. I mean, that 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 just cannot happen. I mean, my my seventh, seventh old kid could have called better plays than Kiffin did last night. And he's got to go. I'm sorry, but you can't just put up with that anymore. Anyway, thank you. Bye, bye. Bye. Well, I'll tell you, the flustered guy. <laughs> I, I really do uh, not know how he feels, you know. And, uh, Ryan, I think most people in the Coliseum felt that way. I think most people that watch a game on television are in disbelief. I think when I looked at the sideline, I saw nothing but people in shock. Everyone in shock on what had just happened in the Coliseum, a coach that had been at Florida, uh, uh, Washington State in the second year comes to the Coliseum in their home opener and beats USC. So what can be done? Well, I think I just went over that a moment ago yeah. as far as what we what needs to be done there. Will it be done? I don't know. Can it be done? I don't know. Uh, that's why you pay someone $3 million a year to figure that type of stuff out. And uh, I think Pat Hayden uh, will be that uh, evaluator, obviously. He has completely endorsed Lane Kiffin from the very beginning. I think that he will continue to endorse uh, Coach Kiffin the remainder of the way, unless that situation is so drastic and it's close to that now that he might be forced to make a move. And if it doesn't happen, and it continues, I think then people will look towards the leadership of the athletic department and say, wait a minute, it's important kids graduate. It's important we have compliance. It's important that we have the black shoes back with the white socks. 
That's USC tradition. We don't want change because everybody else are doing these things. All we want to do is be who USC is. The pride of the Rose, or the pride of the Rose Bowl being the second home of USC. Student athletes wanting to play at USC. Having the pride of walking down that tunnel if you're a past player at USC. Getting a, a degree from USC and all those above things. Now, those things have to all be evaluated when you evaluate the football program. So that's why I stand on that. I'm not one that advocates any type of firing for anybody. I've had to do it, and I've been fired. So I know that feeling, but I know that sometimes the toughest thing in the world is to do that. Well, that's why we say we have a whole bunch of Lane Kiffin should be fired kind of comments and questions. So we're saving that for Dan Weber, the next segment, Coach. I'm sparing you that one. Uh, Please. <laughs> but here's another here's another voicemail one for you. Hi, Ryan and Coach Hyde. I'm a first-time caller. My name is Philip Ignato. I've seen the calls for firing Kiffin. I hardly concur. This game was a total joke from the offensive point, from the offense point of view. Coach Hyde, the play calling was way too conservative, and it seemed the quarterbacks had no confidence in poor play. What would you do to remedy this play? Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Well, you know, it's amazing that most questions are all centered around the same identity, the offensive side of the football, first yeah. of all. But also, I think you can't forget, too, the special teams. I, I, I don't think you give them a pass. It all contributed when you miss two field goals and you don't perform on what you're supposed to be doing on the special teams, too. So let's don't just pass it on to one part of the of the team. But two-thirds of the performance of the team was unacceptable. I don't know how people out there would grade it, but uh, those two efforts uh, are not graded too high. If you didn't have a tremendous defense in that football game, I don't know what might have the score been. But uh, as far as the question is concerned, uh, play calling is always an issue. I used to say with my offensive coordinator, if it works, I'll take credit for it. If it doesn't work, I'll tell him at the post game. I'm going to ask him why he called that play. So, you know, you can always second guess, but I think I went through it and explained that question as far as the difficulties that now USC has in their uh, offensive package. Uh, I think that it's all part from the beginning, the indecisions. Uh, along the way of who's going to be the offensive coordinator, who's going to be the, who's going to call the plays, who's going to be the quarterback. There hasn't been a real philosophy or a personality or an identity with the offensive team itself. I think it's hurt the mor- not the morale, not the morale, but the losing always hurts the morale of the entire team, but the offense more or less when they when the fingers being pointed. But I think you've got to be able to make decisions. And you've got to be able to understand and read what's wrong with your football team. I said, I think last week, or maybe it was on my radio show, on the Trojan Brunch show on Sunday last week, I said, coming back from Hawaii, I would have had a staff meeting immediately on the plane with my staff. And I said, okay, we got the W, which everybody was talking about and bragging about, which is always good to get. That comes from inside on all levels. But we didn't play well, and we're not going to be able to beat anybody 
that's any good if we continue to play at this level. What are we doing wrong, and how can we all improve ourselves? And I would, I would hope an assistant coach that has strength and belief in himself, understanding that if the program isn't successful, he loses his job too, would speak up and say, Coach, I think this is what's going wrong and what we need to do. And if the head coach doesn't listen or if an assistant coach comes in and talks to him for advice or if Coach Pat Hayden, people who have the authority to talk to him about, uh, the, it doesn't improve or he doesn't take suggestions or the things don't change, then, then what can you do? He's, you know, we're the ones talking about it, but we're not the ones that can help make decisions. I even said on the pregame show, I said, let's, when, when, when I said, Coach Giffen, please do one thing. Be yourself. You know, don't listen to what I have to say. Don't listen to what all the media has to say and all the talk shows and so on. Just do what you believe in so the team believes in what you do. And if you believe in that, do that. If you want to throw the ball 70 times a game, throw it 70 times a game and forget me talking about run the football and do this and that and you've got to be a great team running the football. Forget it. But I think that it's got to have an identity and a personality. And right now that's lacking in the offensive side of the football. Uh, all right, here's a, another voicemail. Do you have a, time for a couple more or do we let you go? You want to do one more? Well, we'll do one more. Okay. Here's one. Okay. Here's the last one. Sorry, Coach. <laughs> yeah, this is Richard from uh, Toluca Lake, and I've been following USC football since 1956, and I don't think ever uh, combined with Ted Tolner, Larry Smith, or Paul Hackett, maybe Hackett, I've seen a worse performance than I did uh, last night offensively with the USC football team. My question is to Coach Hyde, what do we do now? Thanks, you guys. Fight on. Love your show. Take care. Bye. Sorry, Coach. What it's do you do right say. now, huh? <laughs> he wants well, change right, now. Right now. Well, the first thing I'd do right now is I'd say uh, we're going to go back to elementary. We're going to go back to basics. We're going to do the things we believe in doing and what we're going to win with, and we're going to stick with. We're not going to try to do everything, which you're trying to do now. I, I mean, they got one play from every offense, and uh, none of them work. So that's because there's no continuity in series. There's no continuity as far as if they do this, I do that. So I decide who we're going to be. Are we going to be a power-running team? Like he says, oh, we, that's what we plan on doing was running. Okay. Well, off of the run then comes great play-action pass. That's part of a package. And all the other things that are part of a package. Find a package that you believe in. And teach that package and go with that package so that a player can come off the field and say, the linebackers are running out of there so fast, coach, that on the toss, I can't get to them. Or the guard's pulling and I can't get there because of this or that. We should come back and run the belly. So that you can communicate with your players and what they think will work, too. I don't think that's going on. I, honestly, I, I think that could be the furthest thing from what's going on right now, Coach. Well, that's that's why you got to do some of that now. Players yeah. have got to help you with the play calling. I don't they even know if the assistant coaches are helping with the play calling right now. I, I, this seems like this is what Lane wants to do. 
Who's helping him with the play calling? I don't think anybody. <laughs> okay, I was so I wanted to know who was. Yeah, no, uh, I, yeah. I'm, in my opinion, I don't think it's happening, and I agree with you, Coach. I think it needs to, but I don't. I, I think that this is something that Lane is controlling himself. He wants to have full control over this, and I, I just not. I'm not sure from the stuff I hear around how much input he's getting from anyone else. Well, you would know that more than what I would know on that. But I know one thing, if you don't settle down this offense, they're going to quit on you. They try, they try, they try. And I tell you, the worst thing you can do is have a team quit on you. And it can't happen, because then you're going to have separation within the team. Right now, they're still fighting as an FC football team. The defense, very supportive of the offense. They're blaming themselves for missing one play where they, where they kicked the field goal. I mean, that's what kids will do. They'll stick together. Yeah. Kids will stick together. So the offensive team needs great support from the coaches and from the defense and the other areas to stick together. And you've got to do something so that they know you're making some type of changes. You've got to let them know that, okay, well, this is what we're doing. This is our series. We're going to believe in it. And blah, whatever it is. You've heard me repeat myself the entire time. You got to show them something positive. Normally, I would say, you know, cut out all the highlights and put it in a reel. Let them see it. And say, this is what we can do when we're really playing. But there aren't many highlights to cut out. <laughs> so, you know, go back to the past or look it over and take the favorite series and stuff that kids know that work and you believe in and put a series package together. Like I said. As a coaching staff offensively, go to some package you know, whether it's the old 79 offense at USC or whatever offense they ran, and do it. And stick with it and believe in it. Don't change it every week. Stay on track and get better at what you do. And I think right now that's not happening. I hope it happens this next week, or otherwise we'll be saying the same things next month. Coach, I'm sorry we went so long. There was one really quick one I wanted to just ask you myself, if that's okay. Super fast. Since it's you. Since it's me. We listened to Lane Kiffin conference call yesterday. Marky Slee had suggested that the team was going to do a players-only meeting. We asked Lane Kiffin about that. He was a little taken aback. He doesn't believe in them, said he doesn't think they work. I really felt like he didn't want it to happen. He doesn't want his players to have it. That's, that's the feeling I got just from listening to him say that. What do you think about players-only meetings, and you think something like that would help USC? Well, you know, uh, since you were a former I'm not coach. against it. Yeah. I'm yeah. not against it, but, you know, if it was a player problem, I think it's great to have because your leaders are going to go in there and say, hey, guys, you guys are screwing up, and we're not doing this, and we're not doing that, and we're not blocking people. And, and Marquise is trying to stand up and be a leader which he is, and I think he's been great at what he said at post-game comments and newspaper articles and everything because he's a flustered kid right now. He's trying to, you know, make big plays when he shouldn't be. He catches a swing pass and loses four yards. I've never heard anything <laughs> like that. So, you know, he's running the wrong way, but but I'm not against it, but it's not, it's not the kids on offense, and we all know that. Kids want to win. Kids are playing hard. They haven't quit. They're playing hard, but they're in shock. They're dismayed that nothing works. 
So they're saying, what the hell is going on? We're trying to do what the coach is calling. But they've got to, you know, so they can have a team meeting. I don't care, but that's not going to do it. What Coach Kiffin needs to do is have a team meeting with the offense and walk in there and say, hey, guys, let me tell you something. We're going to make some changes. A lot of them are going to be on me because they hear all the same stuff we're talking about and they read the newspapers. What I'm going to do is I'm going to run this is the series we're going to run. We're going to run it well. We're going to be USC. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. It's all on me. And uh, we're going to go out in style. Whatever way we go, we're going to take the, take the field with style. We're going to have confidence. We're going to believe in ourselves. I'm going to let Coach Clay Helton call, call the plays. And we don't need to tell anybody else they are. And I'm going to take input from you. I want you to come to me and tell me if you think things are open. We've got to have a line of communication between each other because we're all in this foxhole together. And we've got to fight our way out of this foxhole. And what we need to do is do it together. And I would have my offensive coaches in there, too, and I'd let them know, too. I'd tell my offensive coaches, coaches, I need your help. We all need to do this together to survive. Uh, and uh, and uh, that's the way I would do it. I would do it that way, but you're not kidding anybody. Kids are smart. Kids read. The kids listen to this podcast. I've had players come up to me and listen, tell me they listen to this. Can you believe that? That's crazy, Coach. It, it's true. Hi, players. <laughs> I, I, I do. Kids want to know what's going on. Now, I love players. I love their parents. It's hard for me to say when a kid hasn't played well, and one of the parents I see the next day somewhere. Yeah. But I got to level, be level. They would respect. They might be mad at me, but I still love them. Okay. But I would back my child too. That's what it's all about. And this is why he has to love his offense. He has to back him like a parent would back his own kid. And that's what has to. Be. All right, Coach. Thank you so much. I know we were like a forty-five minute segment. I'm really sorry, but. Uh... We tried to get. We didn't even get to everything, but we'll, we'll try to get to some more with Dan. Please, please, so, but let's thank everybody for calling in. That yes. makes it great, really. And, and let me get my Twitter out again. Can I do that? You, of course, you can, Coach. <laughs> I'm fired up on this. I love it. At Coach Harvey Hyde. That's at Coach Harvey Hyde, and I thank all of you for allowing me to be a part of this podcast. And I look forward to being with you next week. And I hope. We have a lot of fun with it. All right. Thanks, Coach. You can follow him at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow me at Inside Troy. We'll be back in 30 seconds talking lots more USC football with Dan Weber. Fight on, Trojan fans. We're all very excited about this season. My name is Louis Tangay, and I'm the managing director of Circle Marketing. Like USC, Circle Marketing has a long track record of success. Ours hasn't been on the football field, though. We have been very successful in helping the small businesses of America get the kind of marketing strategy and support previously only affordable by large companies. For example, by going to circlemarketing.com, you can view our portfolio, read our case studies, and see how we were able to increase business by 90%, grow social media followings by 10 times what it was when we started, and how our websites and marketing strategies have helped our small businesses reach and exceed all of their marketing goals time and time again. So come visit circlemarketing.com today, read our case studies and testimonials, and see what we've done for other small businesses like yours. Then contact us and find out what we can do to help your small business too. Circle Marketing, the company that fights on for your small business. 
We are back here on the Peristyle Podcast. we got Dan Weber, USCfootball.com. Beat writer was up there in the press box Saturday night for the debacle. That was a 10-7 to loss to Washington State. Dan, I, I don't know, did, what did you walk away thinking <laughs> after that game? It was kind of crazy. I'm thinking, uh, and, and uh, maybe I'll preview where we're going today, is uh, I wish they'd have had that conversation after the Sun Bowl that we would have liked to have seen uh, January 1st. Uh, between uh, Pat Hayden and, and Lane Kiffin, uh, uh, you know, talking about what needs to happen, how USC needs to have a head coach, and it probably needs to get rid of the uh, the current play caller slash actual offensive coordinator and game planner, and and go a different direction. This isn't working, and uh, you know, obviously it's not working, and uh, you got to figure out what will work. And right now, it looks like they figured out what won't work and what they can't do, <laughs> and they prove it. But you got to find what can you do. I mean, the defense last year couldn't do very much. Looks like they found out what they could do. Uh, they're leading the nation in uh, in sacks, sacks and, yeah. uh, uh, defense against the run. I mean, it used to be when USC first under the under Pete. The day they got to, you know, they were the best defense in the country against the rush. That was it. That you were then you became the best team in the country, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, if you could defend a run like that, the the divergence between where USC and I'll point this out in the column today, where they are on defense after two games nationally, and where they are on offense, I guarantee you, there's never been that kind of a difference between a team. You know, that could be tops in the nation in one category on defense and 113th in the nation on offense in the same category. I mean, that's, that's almost beyond belief. You know, you basically, you're playing the same teams and you got the same kind of athletes. What is it? I, well, I think we know what it is, but that's, uh, that has to change and it's got to change. I think today. Well, we got a, we have a question yeah. on the play calling. If you want to jump into on this one, you want to sure. hear? Okay, here we go. Like uh, we've got so many of these. I mean, I'm, it's just hard to describe how many questions we got. But I'm going to try to play as many as we can. Here's one of them. Yeah, um, I just calling because I just got back from that uh, most embarrassing game I've ever been to. Um, I don't know what Kevin, who Kevin thinks he is, when the fans are booing him after the first quarter because of his play calling, and then he refuses to change it when the safeties are playing 15 yards deep. And Marquis Lee, you know, he's running these little post routes when he could be blowing by these safeties who are just flat-footed, like the Blodnikoff award winner isn't on our team, you know. So I'm just wanting to know what you think about Kiffin and how he's going to win his players back because, obviously, I don't think they have his back, whether even though they're not going to say it publicly, and obviously the fans don't have his back. So, I mean, do we fire Kiffin, or do you keep him until the end of the season? I personally think you fire him, but I just want to know what you guys think. All right, thanks. Bye. Okay. I, I think it's a two-step process. I think you got to change the play calling and the court offensive game planning right now. You know, I mean, they've got two more home games. Uh, I, I don't know whether how many people are going to be there to see it. Maybe this is a good this week that the game's on the Pac-12 network and nobody will see it. Uh, it's Boston <laughs> College, but uh, uh, it's a good time to, you know, figure out uh, what you have to do. I think, you know, to be, 
to be flippant about throwing the ball deep to, to Marquise. I think that he did, Lane didn't want to put the uh, Pac-12 officials into a bind because basically the couple of times they did go deep, uh, Washington State grabbed them and held them and got a, got a flag. And, you know, the Pac-12 officials are kind of uh, nervous about their, uh, you know, flag-happy reputation and that they throw the most, uh, you know, call the most penalties in the country. So I don't think Lane was trying to, you know, take it easy on them and not have to have – <laughs> have him throw those penalties every time yes he went deep so that, that no i don't know what the heck is going on i think a lot of times lane doesn't go deep because he doesn't trust the offensive line from breaking down i thought they're talking a good game about the offensive line after you watch the replay it didn't do as good a job as as, as you would have liked there were too many breakdowns. i mean this is a they were letting washington state washington state get pressure on the USC quarterbacks, rushing three guys much of the time. That's, in, that's impossible. <laughs> you have to do a better job. Now, if you have to cut the offense down so that this, the few things you do, you do well and you really know how to do them, that you're not asked to, to be able to do everything that a complete pro-style offense asks you to do, maybe that's what you have to do. But you have to know what you can do. And you have to believe in it. You have to know how to do it well. And you have to do it every time. There has to be some consistency. And as much as, as they talk about we're not getting consistency out of the offensive line, we're not get, getting consistency out of the quarterbacks or the wide receivers. I mean, honestly, on one of those uh, passes in the fourth quarter, you saw Marquise running a crossing route. The ball's thrown behind him. He didn't even look. He just kept running. Third down, ball's thrown behind him. He has no chance to catch it. He just kept running to the sidelines like, what the hell? You know, <laughs> I'm running this route and the ball's behind me. What am I supposed to do? And, you know, I think that said it all to me in watching that, that, that what they're doing, they don't know how to do, they can't do. You've got to figure out what they can do. If that means you've got to do something different, then you've got to do something different. If you've got to run everything out of shotgun, you got to figure out a way still to get a running attack going, and uh, and yet you know you give the quarterback a little more time, and you give the offensive line, you know, just this is what we're going to do, guys. Uh, we're not going to ask you to do too many things, but we're going to ask you to do these really well and really consistently. Again, that would be a change in philosophy. It was a change they couldn't manage to do last year when they got in the tailspin. They stayed with it and stayed with it and stayed with uh, Lane's idea of a pro-style offense and went down in flames. I don't think they can afford to go down in flames this early. Uh, and, you know, this is six out of last eight games they've lost. Uh, they can't afford to do this, uh, not right now. They have to make some changes right now. Um, here's another one. It kind of touches on a few different points, and uh, I'll give you an opportunity to respond to this one, Dan. Here you go. Hey guys, this is Randy from Temecula. Uh, just a quick point, two quick questions. Uh, first, I did not like Marquise's Lee, Marquise Lee's attitude on the field. He did not look right. Um, second of all, should we start getting Max Brown ready since I don't think we have a quarterback with the two that are playing now? And third, uh, what is the possibility of getting someone like Gruden, Fisher, or Del Rio for next year because I believe this sealed Kiffin's fate. Thank you. Bye. We already have the coaching you know, I, questions. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a good, 
pick up on, on Marquise. Yeah, Marquise wasn't right. Something's not. I mean, he, you know, I, I think between the calls, how he was being defended, and how USC was executing, uh, you know, put Marquise in a bad place. Now, there were, you know, at least one ball you really would have liked to have seen him catch. Not that it would have, you know, changed anything around all that much, but, uh, uh, you know, he just for his own sake, you know, catch the thing and, and it kind of hit him in the hip and he didn't didn't quite, uh, you know, get it in traffic. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I think it's too early to be thinking about, I think you got to save this year and save this coaching staff, get, get them together, save this group of kids. Uh, it's not too late. They still have a defense that could beat anybody they play. Uh how do you get the offense right? And you don't get it right by just going back to the drawing board and doing the same old things and, and, and you know, saying your players aren't good enough to do this or we're not consistent enough to do that. You, your job is, is not to find what you can't do. Your job is to find out what you can do and do it. And it, 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 there's just way too much emphasis on what, what USC can't do right now, why it can't do it. Uh, and, and that's, that's not the way to go. It's not a successful way to go. I mean, they got beat by a team that didn't have a single player who could make USC's roster out of high school. Not a single player who USC recruited, not a single player who USC would recruit. Uh, and that, that team stood, you know, did every, you know, Washington State, they do what they do well. I mean, you know, he, uh, Mike Leach has got his offense. Basically, it looks like it's on a, on a, folded up envelope uh, that he sticks it, you know, in his pocket. And uh, they do a few things. They do them well. They do them. They believe in them. They came and they, they hit. They played hard as they could be. They got everything out of their ability. They executed the one time on the special teams. They needed a field goal. They got it. No breakdowns, no misses. Just boom, execute, game's over. USC's not doing that. They're not doing I mean, there's no excuse for not executing on special teams. Uh, that's bad coaching. That's people, you know, doing things uh, that, you know, maybe worrying about things they shouldn't, you know, they don't have as much control over and not getting the things done, they do. And, uh, you know, they've got to do a better job, and they got to start today. And I think one of the things, you know, you do is you eliminate the things you're doing really badly. And I think play calling and game planning is, is one of those. And you go a different direction. Uh, with all the focus, you know, on, on the quarterback and the selection and how this has been carried, you know, why isn't there that same focus on, you know, the, the guy who the quarterbacks report to, the guy who, you know, and I'm not talking about Clay Helton, as Lane said yesterday. Clay's still here. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to expand Clay's role. Clay had the quarterbacks in the summer – were thrilled to death with the way Clay had redone the playbook and simplified it. And, uh, you know, we saw that in the summer. We saw that the first few weeks of, uh, of fall camp. We don't see it now. We, however you go back to that, uh, I think they have to figure out a way to do that. And I think that's, that's Pat Hayden's job. Uh, we had this one come up a lot, Dan, from a lot of different sources. I'll play this one for you. We can let you hear it. Hi, Ryan. Frank from Sacramento. Uh, after this weekend, it's kind of becoming apparent that possibly Max Winnick and Cody Kessler are great practice players whose game doesn't translate into uh, live action. Um, 
what's uh, the time frame would you guess that uh, Lane Kiffin figures? Let's throw Max Brown out there and see what he's got. Thanks. Well, let's say let's do this. Why would Max Brown be any better out there running that offense <laughs> than, the, than Cody and and Max Woody? I mean, that's the problem. You say they're good practice players. They were good practice players when they weren't running this offense this way. The more it got, you know, tailored to a game plan and closer to the season, everything changed. I mean, we did, we haven't seen, you know, I mean, we're not idiots. I mean, we told you, for example, how much better the defense looked or what Trey Madden was going to be capable of or what Buck Allen, you can just dream, he might actually get a chance to do it in the game. But when we tell you those things that we see at practice, they're not wrong. They're right. Uh, so when we tell you that, you know, Cody Kessler really looks pretty darn good and can make all the throws and, and do all the things we saw him do, we didn't see the last week. We didn't see him get specific, you know, specifically get ready. We didn't see the game plan. I mean, uh, you know, we saw Cody Kessler that never gets nervous. Uh, you know, you say, well, he wasn't in the game before. I think he didn't ever have to deal with a specific game plan for an opponent the way he did, you know, for Hawaii or uh, or Washington State, where so much of what he does well has been removed. I mean, we saw one time he scrambled. Even then, it looked like slow motion. I mean, that did, that didn't look like, you know, when he got the touchdown. That didn't look like the Cody Kessler we saw in practice. Uh, and a big part of that is, I think. Uh, you know, they're telling them what you can't do. I mean, we heard that that they weren't all that thrilled uh, with his audible um, for the touchdown at, at Hawaii. That, <laughs> uh, that they're, you know, that they're the, the you know, actual these are young score. quarterbacks. And are you, you know, counter, you know, manding the uh, play call of the of the head coach? Uh, I think there, it's a difficult spot. So, so to say, oh, you know, the answer is somewhere else out there, the next guy. If the next guy is going to be asked to run the same stuff and, and game plan the same way, play call the same way, what, uh, you know, then you're just throwing a, a guy with even less experience into the, into the mix. And, um, and so I, I don't think that's necessarily uh, at all the way to go. I mean, I think, but I can understand if I'm a fan and all I've seen is the two games, uh, I can't understand what's anybody thinking that these two quarterbacks are the way to go. Because basically, as someone who really knows football has told me in the last weekend, um, the way USC is doing this, if you looked at what happened to Matt Barkley last year, you look at what's happening to Kessler and Wittick this year. This offense is a quarterback killer. And the more it goes on, I mean, if a four-year starter like Matt Barkley finished up really kind of struggling with the, you know, his final season and going not, you know, not an upward arc into the NFL, but a downward arc, now you've got two brand-new guys uh, – this isn't the way you would like to see um, things go if you're a quarterback, which is why you really probably wouldn't want to see Max Brown thrown into this right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Dan. There's just not. I don't think this is about the players. 
I think this is about the play. Even like you said, that that run by Cody Kessler, it didn't look like him. It looked like he was like, okay, you first you're going to put your left foot here. Then you're going to – it was like it was a designed, here's what we want you to do as opposed to go out there and kind of play. Because you're knowing – well, I know they call the pass, and I don't know, should I throw it or oh, – oh, no, it's – uh, I don't uh, – I think I can uh, – I mean, he wasn't playing. He was thinking. Yeah, and you can say all you want. Oh, that you know. Yeah, no. I mean, it, it, this is how you're coached. He, he didn't look like he was coached to make that play, but no. he made it anyway. Yeah. To me, that's a, that's actually a good thing. But uh, <laughs> it was symptomatic. The good thing. Okay, so now we have two really good things that Cody's done in two weeks, and we're not even sure if those are uh, considered good things or not. <laughs> Uh, well, that's met, where we are with this offense right now and the way it's set up. Yeah, it's uh, there's obviously a lot of problems. Um, well, let, one of the, let's we're gonna get some more specific questions in here. You mentioned Buck Allen. Um, John in San Jose said, uh, since Buck Allen looked so good in game one, as did all the backs, would it be possible that the coaches would put Buck Allen as his fullback, uh, use him like Marcus Allen when he played fullback? I mean, I'd love it. He He actually... When you look at him, physically, he might be closer to Mark. He's a little bigger, probably. Uh, maybe not the NFL Marcus Allen, but uh, uh, very similar uh, type talent. And, and that gets you one more really good pass catcher on the field. And that's why, you know, or if they, they decided to go four wide a lot and you have a guy like that in the slot, if a team makes a mistake, he catches it and he's gone. Uh those are the things you just wish they were looking at. Uh, how do we enable this offense, not how do we handcuff it? How do we limit it so that it doesn't make any mistakes? But how do we enable it you know, to open it up in ways in which it's much more difficult to defend? Uh, that's, the way, that's the way I'd go. I would like to see him on the field a whole lot. He, you know, he, he, he might be, and this is going to sound uh, – you know, a little over the top, he might be the most natural catcher of the football on this team. I think he catches the ball better than anybody. Uh, I think he converts it, uh, catch and run, as well as anybody. And he's got as much speed as anybody. Uh, I think, you know, every play that he's not out there is a, is a missed opportunity. I can't say enough good things. And, you know, the way he ran over that guy, we haven't seen him. I mean, his blocking, I think, has really improved, you know, in terms of being the fullback. But we haven't seen him, uh, you know, get a chance to, to do a lot of just straight-up blocking because he's been the tailback. But, uh, uh, you know, I'd give him a chance. I'd give him a chance to do a lot of things. Uh, but it's that kind of flexibility that USC needs right now, not a sense of, well, we don't have the players to do what we want to do. No, find what you you know what your players can do. Figure out a way to allow them to do it. That's uh, that, that's what I'd be doing. Uh, we got I don't know. There's like four. So we got a bunch more questions. We're going to try to get to them. We'll do them fairly quick. But then there's a whole bunch of comments about Lane Kiffin. I'm going to save that for the end, and then we'll kind of get your comments on that. Then, but I wanted some of these are good. I wanted to knock out. Like I, there's so many that were in the same vein, and we got so many questions that we're talking about the same thing. But I wanted to try to get to some of these specific ones. Um, with the offense struggling so bad this year, do we really? understand how good Matt Barkley was. Not much has changed, and he was able to move this atrocious offense at Steven San Diego. Yeah, I mean, 
that gives you, I mean, I think he had a little more leeway. Uh, and I think he was able to move it through the Arizona game. And, you know, once people decided we are absolutely never going to let Marquise Lee go off for 375 yards on us ever again, uh, it made it even more di- even difficult for Matt. Uh, but yeah, it's, it always helps to have a four year starter with the kind of confidence Matt had, uh, in, you know, his ability to throw the ball. He still had, you know, had, had trouble throwing it to the wrong people sometimes. But, uh, again, that might have been the, clearly the, the, you know, the result of an offense that wasn't as certain about itself. But, but sure, I, you know, not that he didn't have weapons. I mean, you know, Robert Woods and Marquise Lee together. Is a pretty good start. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so, you know, yeah. I don't know, that seems like so long ago. That yeah. seems like another, another century uh, ago that, that they were, you know, throwing the most touchdown passes and catching the most balls. I mean, think where Marquise Lee is now with regard to, you know, I mean, he's not, he's not playing at an all-Pac-12 level right now. I mean, you couldn't make the case for him to be all Pac-12 based on the first two games. Yeah. I mean, what does that say? I mean, this is a guy, you know, as a sophomore, he's the best receiver in the country, and I don't think anybody even, there was even a question. Now, is he all Pac-12? Yeah. You know, I'd be discouraged a little bit if I were Marquise, too. I mean, he handles it as well as he can when you talk to him, but I think his body language... Like a lot of people on the USC programs, body language gives an awful lot away. Yeah. And uh, it's not a good thing. Um, well, let's go. Tariq, he wants to know, Chad Wheeler does not look like the answer at left tackle. Any chance Max Turek, who looked great there last season, takes that spot? And perhaps Wheeler or someone else plays guard. You know, part of the problem is they've been moving them around too much on the offensive line, I think. And, you know, there have been some injuries and what have you. I, I mean, I'm not I, – I certainly didn't see the, you know, necessarily the advantage of bringing Andre Walker in at right guard. After watching the game, it just didn't look like uh, – he didn't look as comfortable there or didn't look very comfortable there at all. They do have a lot of – they do have a lot of issues. There are a lot of ways you could, you know, you could talk about going uh, – they don't look settled, and that's not a good thing, I don't think, for an offensive line. Uh, again, that's what you want to be happening in the first four games. You just didn't want to lose this game. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure a constant shuffling is the way to go unless you're, you're really going to focus on this is who we are, this is what we can do, and this is how we're going to go out there every week. And not having the constant changes and adjustments and thinking these guys are 30-year-old NFL veterans and they can just adapt to, you know, whatever. I mean, for what we heard, you know, we weren't in practice last week, but we heard that what they did in the game did not resemble what they did in practice during the week. Uh, heard that it before. It looked like it. <laughs> it looked like it. And uh, that's, uh, you know, there's all kinds of issues like that. And I know it's easy for, you know, people to say, well, you know, change the quarterback or change the, you know, fullback or change the, you know, one of the tackles or move this guy. I think it, it, it starts before that. Yeah, Something it's bigger else than that. Something has to happen <laughs> before you start 
you know, plugging in guys in, in different places. Um, let's see. We'll do a couple more, and then we're going to get to the Kiffin stuff. Uh, love the defense. Can this team grind out some wins like LSU's team did last year? That's from Justin. Only if they score the ball on defense. <laughs> I think that's, that was the key. That's why Tyron Matthew, everybody thought he was the greatest thing in the world. He, he you know, he, he'd convert and score. And uh, LSU needed him to do that. You know, without that happening, you know, they don't beat Oregon in that game. Uh, opened the season two years ago. And uh, that's what the USC defense's kids were talking about. They said, you know, we have to play a perfect game. And in our minds now, a perfect game means we have to score the football, too. And they did. If they'd have scored the ball, um, you know, with one of those possible, you know, pick sixes, scored it like they did in Hawaii, then maybe they can. But only if they can score the football uh, right now, the way things are going. And, and, and they're thinking about it and trying to figure out how do we do that. But, uh, you know, they're, uh, <laughs> that's pressure the though. They're I mean, third in the country for turnovers, turnovers yeah. in terms of, uh, turnovers, uh, uh, gained. And, uh, you know, they've turned one of those into a touchdown. Uh, they need to probably, I mean, it's terrible to think you got to go into every game and you better convert at least one turnover into a score. But, uh, you know, the, right now the offense doesn't seem capable uh, always of taking advantage. Um, they had more chances, and you know they 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 did convert one into a score. The offense did, but that was it. And you know the offense seems completely incapable of an 80-yard drive, for example, right now. So uh, you know maybe you give the offense enough short field opportunities, and they can. They could, you know, punch him in, but uh, uh, it's asking a lot. But that's the model. LSU can turn those, uh, you know, turnovers into scores immediately. Um, let's see. We'll do two quick ones, and then we'll go to uh, the Kiffin stuff. Earl in West L.A., do you think that the obvious lack of confidence Lane Kiffin demonstrated Saturday night for Kessler and Wittick will hurt their ability to improve as the season progresses, and we should know today, we're, as we're taping now, it hasn't been announced, but Kiffin was supposed to announce today who the quarterback's going to be. They picked one, but do you think it would hurt either of their confidences? Oh, yeah, I think it's hurt their confidence, yeah. I think the, the uh, whole quarterback competition thing has played out really badly, uh, you know, for both and for USC. And, um, you know, when, you know the, the starting point was, boy, they're both playing so well, it's hard to, you know, uh, hard to hard to pick. I, I didn't ever agree with that, but you were willing to go along with it. And then it became, oh, neither one of them has taken it. Neither one of them were trying to give it to you. No, 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 no. So it, it, it kind of flipped there and, you know, midway through practice. And where that came from, I, I don't absolutely know, other than it, you know, was that the, you know, the vision of a, of a coach who doesn't have a lot of confidence in his offense. Uh, if, if only he had as much confidence in his offense as he did in his offensive game planning and play calling. Uh, but that, <laughs> that isn't the case right now. And, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's really difficult for those quarterbacks. I mean, I, I, you know, I thought I knew those kids. And now when you talk to them, it's really hard. They, they don't know where they are or what they're supposed to do. And you can't have quarterbacks like that. you got to – you got to free them up to make plays, and they don't look free. 
and they don't look like they think they can make plays. It's, it's, and you look at the, the offense they're given, it doesn't look like they can make plays. Yeah. I'm not sure how you make, how do you make plays when, you know, everybody's covered up and you're, uh, you're under pressure. And, you know, you're basically trying to throw the ball. Eventually you, you, you're trying to throw the ball out to the, out to the side where there's a cornerback, you know, sitting on your receiver at all times. I mean, there's no threat. You know, if the you know corners don't think they're going to get beat deep, they're going to sit there and wait yeah. and hope you make a mistake. And USC has. Um, okay, last one before we get to the Kiffin stuff. Drew and Poway, we can kind of go through this together. What players do you think USC will redshirt this year? And uh, looks like off the top of my head, Stephen Mitchell, um, because he's injured. Khalil Rogers, uh, right. most likely. Kenny Bigelow, you think he or has he played? I think there's a good chance he might. Okay. Uh, when they went with the uh, walk-on, who'd only been there three weeks, Joey Aguello at nose tackle last week, you had to think, uh, and I've got to you know, double-check the participation chart. Yeah, we have to, to look at sure it. I didn't miss it, but you got to think they're thinking that direction with Bigelow. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Max Brown, um, that's what Kiffin wants to. Uh, Nico Fala, yeah. I would assume. Right. Um, you know, Craven's playing, obviously, Justin Davis. Chris Hawkins, what do you think about him? I don't know. I think I, I think they'd rather redshirt him. Yeah. I think they've got you know enough upperclassmen that are going to be leaving. That the more they save, uh, you know, out of this class, the better. So probably. Yeah, I think Hutchins has played. I believe. Yeah. Uh, Ty Isaac's played. Uh, Leon McQuay. Yes. Yeah, he's played. He's like special team stuff. Yeah, he's been in. And Quentin Powell. Yes. Okay. All right. So there's so, a couple there. From yeah, the just a few. Not yeah. not many, but I think those are the right right, right ones. And George, we'll know George Farmer redshirt because he because um, he injured right. his knee. Uh, all right. Well, here's okay. So we had so many questions and and comments about Kiffin. I want to read to you. I'm going to read these to you, and then maybe kind of get your thoughts. Obviously, fans are not happy. You heard the the fire Kiffin chants in the Coliseum. I don't remember. I don't even know if they fire Hackett ones were – I don't even remember that. Maybe that happened. I'm not really sure. Yeah, but. that was before my time. I'm glad I don't remember that. <laughs> but I'll read you these, and then we'll kind of get your overall thoughts on it. Sorry I have to lump these all together, but I wanted to get people's um, feelings in here. Lane Kiffin is taking five-star talent and playing at three-star levels. Fire him now or wait till the end of the season. That's Mike in Toronto. What about Mike Holgren? That's <laughs> Lauren. What did that one? <laughs> Uh, coach O acting as head coach and Martin or Helton in the booth calling plays. That's from Midnight Rambler. I don't really think we could sink any lower than our performance at the Sun Bowl, but I was wrong. There are serious uh, systematic issues that need to be addressed much sooner, uh, much more sooner than later. The only way to right the ship is a complete change in leadership. That's Ron Cummings in Florida. Uh, we lost to Washington State. Do you think the only way Kiffin keeps his job is if he wins nine or ten games and beats UCLA? Defense looked great, though. That's Luke in Los Angeles. I was a big Lane Kiffin supporter, but the booze and fire Kiffin chants are not good for recruiting. It's time for a change. That's Tony and Downey. Just a couple more, Dan. Sorry. Why would you not fire Kiffin five minutes after this shameful, embarrassing loss? That's from Clay. Uh, we're digressing every year. Our record by the end of the season will show. Last year, we made average teams look good. This year, we're making bad teams look good. That's Patrick. And then the last one, he does not trust his players, but I believe he is the one that cannot be trusted, Frank, in Orlando. So those are the kind of comments we've been getting, and we got even more. But I just that's yeah. that's what I've been dealing with, Dan. 
yeah, it's hard to it's hard to argue with uh, you know with with any of that. Uh, I mean, this is a this is a team that 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 showed complete lack of trust in what it was doing offensively and the people it was doing it with. And uh, uh, it's because uh, when you see what other teams are able to do nowadays on offense, and then you see where USC is. I mean, one of the problems I, it would seem is they're basically three big programs that are trying to really run this in a sort of old-style, pro-style offense. Alabama, Stanford, and USC. There's a difference, however. Alabama and Stanford really are well-coached. They're really disciplined. They are really tough-minded. They recruit to it. They coach to it. They do it. It, it, It's just—it's who they are. USC looks like they're trying to do it, trying to remember how you do it. But if you then say, but, you know, our offensive line isn't really, I don't know if they're really cut out to do this. You can't do it. It's that simple. Now, I'm not saying their offensive line couldn't get to the place where they could do it. It's just if you believe they're not there, you can't do it. Yeah. You almost have to then think, well, what else can we do? And, and, you know, last year they decided we're going to go down in flames. You know, the sun ball will be, that's who we are. You know, can't line up and knock Georgia Tech off the ball, off the line of scrimmage. Can't throw it to, you know, covered receivers. We're screwed. Game over. I, see, I don't think that's what you do. But I don't think they can be Alabama or Stanford either. I, I just don't see USC uh, – able to, you know, to develop that. I mean, as much as Lane wants to be there, they're not going to be there. Therefore, I think they've got to, you know, figure out what can we do with these players, this talent. They've got talent. In some ways, they've got more offensive talent than, than say, in Alabama or Stanford maybe. But you got to get it, you know, you can't try to be Alabama or Stanford. you got to be who you can be. And, uh, uh, you know, are there limitations? Sure. Everybody's got, you know, limitations. But, uh, but I think you have to recognize you can't keep pounding that square peg into that yeah. round hole, which is what, you know, it looks like they're, they're trying to do, and then saying, well, we can't do that. Throw the, you know, throw the hammer away and <laughs> pound it with our heads or pound it with our hands. You know, you gotta do, you got to figure out what they can do and not limit them and say, well, here's who we are, but since we can't do this, 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 and this, and we can't do this, this, and this, and this. We'll just try to do these few things. Even if it's really difficult to do those, because the other team also has figured that out. I mean, they made, <laughs> you know, worse than how USC made itself look on offense, they made Washington State look like the 2008 USC defense. <laughs> Think about that. That was Washington State. Yeah. Crazy. And they made them look like, you know, the 1985 Bears. I mean, that's ah, unacceptable. Yeah. Well, Dan, I don't know what to say. I know. Well, I I know it was going to be a crazy podcast, and it certainly was. And uh, thanks for to getting to all those. And again, I apologize to everyone if we didn't get to your question or comment. We we tried. I mean, we're we're packing it in. We're going to do as long as we possibly can. But there was a lot of thoughts out there, Dan, as you can imagine. Yeah, and and you know, everybody saw the game, unfortunately, and. I mean, I think it, 
there's just no one could have imagined what was coming. I mean, that's the thing. It's so uh, much more than you could have ever dreamed could possibly uh, could possibly happen, or that USC could, you know, could have a seven point home game against Washington yeah. State. It's just, you know, or a 54 yard passing attack, yeah. 54 yards, and threw the ball 21 times and gained 54 yards. That's that's impossible. I mean, that's not nobody can do that. Dan, I'll, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, and you know, nobody can. You have the best receiver in the country. Fifty-four yards on twenty-one passes. <laughs> just, uh, well, I would I would leave everyone with this, which would kind of made this more surreal night for me. I actually was I was covering the game at home, watching two games because I'm I'm working the U.S. the uh, Fresno State rival site now too to watch those two games going on at the same time, where Fresno State ran a design play hook and ladder to the left tackle, pitched him the ball on a, a little twelve-yard pass. And he ran, he ran in for a touchdown. Watching Derek Carr, like a Heisman Trophy candidate, doing stuff like that, and then watching USC at the same time was very surreal for me. It is surreal. That's a good word. I think it's uh, it's hard to believe it's true, and to think all you got to do is well, we'll just go back to work and work hard. Uh-uh. Uh uh, that's not. No, no. Got to change something. Gotcha. You got to you got to make some changes, and if they don't. Uh, the fault doesn't lie, you know, with Lane Kiven. Uh, somebody has to, there's an intervention is needed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, somebody's got to intervene here. And uh, you can't expect, you know, the quarterbacks to do it. You can't expect Marquise Lee to do it. You can't expect Lane Kiven to do it at this point in time. Uh, where does that, you know, where does that point? I think we all know where that points. And, uh uh, something has to happen, and it, hopefully it's happened by now. But uh, got to start down that path of, of, of getting going in the right direction. All That's right. all you can do at this point. Yep. All right, Dan, great stuff. Thanks very much. And, everyone, thank you for tuning in to this ex- extended edition of the Peristyle Podcast. We will talk to you all again next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 